0: Hey, it's producer Daniel from The Dive Table. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about our dive clubs. If you enjoy what Nick and Jay bring to The Dive Table every week, then I would ask you to consider joining one of our exclusive, all-inclusive dive clubs. Bringing you this content every week does take time and energy. And just like any other item on the market, it requires upfront costs. Lucky for us, we're not in the market of a mass production because we only create one product, The Dive Table. With your support, however, we can start to bring exclusive content to The Dive Table that we wouldn't otherwise be able to accomplish. Interviews with legendary scuba divers such as Mike Galt, global conservationists such as Jean-Michel Cousteau, and marine biologists such as Dr. Sylvia Earle. Go to our website, www.thedivetable.com, and click on Join a Dive Club in the upper right-hand corner. Choose a club that best fits your budget and join today. Help us spread the messages of those that help keep our diving waters clean and healthy. Help us be the diving podcast that brings the most comprehensive stories to your ears. Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Dive Table. I'm Jay Gardner, and with me as always is Mr. Nick Hogel out in Malaysia. Nick, how are you doing today?
2: I am doing good it was a nice day had the day off We actually went to a nice little mountaintop restaurant today it was kind of uh, it was kind of funny because I, I love it out here because literally it'll torrential downpour for a, like an hour or two and then the sun will come out like almost every day this time of year. And I mean, we're we're climbing up this mountain. We have this little car. and It's like this super steep pitch. And I'm like, dude, I hope this thing doesn't start slipping. You know, <laughs> I was like, man, this is kind of like not sketchy. But I was like, man, like, does this really, you know, you just turn down this road and it just goes up this mountain. And we're like, OK. And then we got to the top of the mountain. And it was just absolutely beautiful views um, looking down on, on Penang Island. And it was super cool. So I had a pretty good day today. Yeah, I remember that being in Malaysia. It was like, and it's at the same
1: time every day too. Like four o'clock or whatever, three o'clock it was like someone just turned on the faucet. And it ran for an hour, like straight downpour, and then it, someone turns it off, and it, yeah. and it's done. You know, it's like such a cool experience. So I spent a lot of time, I think, around this time of year out there, and I remember that as a very interesting feature of. That area was the, you know, every day it happened at the same, around the same time for about the same amount of time. And then no more. And then you can move move about your day. (laughs) So cool. Well, good. So today's episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about preparing for more advanced training. And that word advanced is a little bit subjective. But what we mean by that is when you're kind of moving from, you know, the specialty certifications and you're starting to move towards maybe an overhead environment or in a wreck or cave, or you're starting to move towards decompression diving and technical diving, um, those sorts of more advanced courses. We're not talking about like advanced, you know, navigation. We're really talking about a a different profile of dive and you need to train in order to be able to dive that profile, whether it be deep or overhead or some other sort of uh, particular profile that requires a different approach um, or an enhanced approach, advanced approach. There it is, uh, to, to your diving strategy, gear, so on and so forth. So we thought it'd be fun to talk about how do you, Nick, and how do I prepare for those t- types of courses. And it's especially relevant for me just to give some context because literally I leave uh, in a few days now, um, heading down to, to Florida and I'm going to be going through this tech combo class um, where we're going to be learning and diving and uh, training around two different decompression gases. So 50% nitrox and 100% oxygen. Um, and really looking at how do we apply decompression strategies to our diving uh, when we actually introduce what you might call an artificial ceiling or we can no longer just go up you know to the surface if something goes wrong. So that's what I've been prepping for. It's been on my mind. it's been you know in my shop, it's been all over the place uh, just just really 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 a focus of mine. We thought this would be a good episode to kind of dig into it so you ready to uh to jump into this one
2: i think i'm ready to giant stride right into this all right let's do it a podcast for scuba
0: divers everywhere take your seat at the dive table with your hosts nick Hogle and jay gardner
1: all right so nick You know, we've been talking about it for a while. I'm getting ready for this trip and this course. Uh, You know, I think it's anywhere between five and seven days uh, course. We ended up choosing the keys uh, in Florida and get some good depth there. Um, It kind of met all the, the requirements that we needed. And so I've been prepping for this course, for this trip for a while. And I'm extremely excited about it. And so... In this episode, we're not trying to give advice to others like this is how you should prepare. We're more or less going to talk about in your advanced training that you've done and the advanced training that I've done, how do we approach Nick and Jay individually, our training, you know, coming up to that, preparing for that. So. Uh, we don't want to you know put the soap boxes out and, <laughs> and tell everyone else what to, what to do. This is just about how we do it and if you learn something great, um, if you do it differently and you have a, a tip or trick for us, let us know. Uh, but we certainly don't want to come across as, as pointing the finger as to this is the right way. This is just how I'm approaching it right now, how you've approached it in the past and so on and so forth. so um, so yeah, really excited about this episode what do you, what are you thinking about right now?
2: Um. Well, no, I think that's a, I, I like how you laid that out. It's not, it's not advice, just kind of more our, our, uh, the steps that we take going through prepping for, uh, an advanced class and, uh, well, and, and I like how you said that in advanced class, even though you said advanced navigation, which could be quite advanced depending on what type of navigating you're doing. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but. You're going to do and, blindfold navigation. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> That'd be pretty amazing. Um, Well, you have to do it in the cave. Yeah. Uh, But, um, no, I like that. And, and, you know, the advanced is just kind of, you know, it could be a lot of different things for a lot of different people, but, you know, just getting a a higher, higher education on maybe just certain aspects of your diving. Maybe you want to go deeper. Maybe you want to go further. uh, You know, maybe, you know, whatever it might be, there's definitely a lot of different aspects of that. So, Um, But I guess my first question would be, you know, what is what is your first step in looking for the advanced or or like what is the, you know, what's your first step in like, okay, this is the class I'm going to take or this is the class I want to take, I should say. What is your first step in that process?
1: Yeah, for me, you know, my approach is always. Trying to under add tools to the toolbox, we'll put it that way. That's the best way I can kind of say it. Is I love scuba. Obviously, we have a podcast and we talk about it nonstop. You know, just the fact that the microphone's in front of our face uh, doesn't mean that we stop talking about it, right? So I love it, I, and I want to experience lots of different styles of diving and environments, and so on and so forth. But I also want to be a very well-rounded diver. That's a desire of mine. And ultimately, one of my big goals is to be able to be an expedition diver or, or an exploration diver where I can actually be a part of a team that is opening up unknown locations, um, possibly for future diving or, you know, places that, I mean, I just think in my head to be somewhere that no one, no human being has ever been before is such a, a rare opportunity. And as divers you know, we have that opportunity with the right amount of training in, in a lot of ways. So for me, my approach is always, okay, where, where, where is the next tool that I need to add into the toolbox? And what is the next step in that tool? So for example, if you're talking about decompression diving, where you, you're actually entering a decompression obligation in your diving. So you're either going over Your NDL limit, which is the non-decompression limit, or you're going deep enough where now you can no longer simply ascend to the surface, Um, that's a tool that that divers should have that's going to aid me someday down the line in exploration because maybe whatever I'm exploring is deep and I need to be able to go deep or maybe it's really far away and you're under the water for a long time, whatever it might be. So then you say, okay, I definitely want to add decompression training to my toolbox. And then you look at, okay, what's available? Well, how can I do that? And usually there's a progressive movement in the training in that, right? So you don't just go, okay, teach me decodiving and you take a weekend course and bam, you know? <laughs> like at least I hope that doesn't exist out there right uh so there's you know tech one there's tech two there's tech three there's you know multiple stage diving whatever it might be right so there's a progression um just like in in cave diving there's you know basic configuration cave configuration there's you know cavern then there's cave one or apprentice and cave two and then stages, then cave DPV and all these other tools that you kind of are adding progressively, but obviously you can't take and and really understand the value of a DPV in a cave without first being able to get into the cave through the cavern right course. Right. So that's kind of the way I approach is which tools do I need or do I want to add? And then what are, what are the options to do that? And what's the progression and then it comes back down to like we've talked about before, you know, who's the who's gonna be teaching me this? Is this somebody that is doing this every day? Or is it somebody that you know read read the book or did it 20 years ago, or you know, does it occasionally because someone asked for it? You know, who I wanted someone that's doing this every day um, to show me those little trips or tricks and and tips that you couldn't otherwise pick up. So that's been kind of my approach. And in this one particularly that I'm getting prepared for, I'm extremely excited because I'm going to be learning from um, someone that I already have a ton of respect for and have already learned a ton from virtually uh, through videos, which is UTD's training director, Ben Boss. And maybe we'll have to have him on the show. That would be awesome. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. He's And it's unique for me because he's based in Denmark. And from, I think, originally the Netherlands. And he's coming across to the States for this course. And so it's a unique opportunity for me to get to know him, spend time with him. I feel like in some ways I already know him because through the UTD podcast and from a lot of our training videos that are underwater, there's Ben. And we listen to him a lot and learn a lot from him. But I am really excited about this course because I get to spend time learning from what I think is one of the, one of the best and, and a really good educator. At top of that, which is Ben Boss. So that's how I kind of came to the conclusion. Yeah, I want to add this to my to my toolbox. That's the guy to do it. And How do we figure out the logistics of to make this thing happen and and let it all fall into place so that I can add that to my toolbox.
2: So I do like that because uh, early on, I always did hear you know it's like when when I first got in when I first was interested in side mount it was like well why do you want to do side mount right and and that is definitely an advance. it could be looked at two different ways it could be looked at not advanced training but to me it was more advanced training because you're adding another cylinder you're you know adding a whole different configuration um but it's like oh well, why do you want to do that and I, I did hear that early on and i do like that that it's like okay well you know side mount is a tool it's a configuration it's a tool for a certain thing that you want to do just like you know, uh, back mount doubles is a tool, or a DPV is a tool. There's a lot of different tools in the toolbox to achieve what you're trying to get at. And no, I do, I do love that approach. For me, I, I would have to say it's a little bit different, um, just because of my approach to diving. Um, the the one of the first things I look at, or one of the first things that where I start going down the rabbit hole is, okay, well, what am I interested in? What what to me, I don't want to say seems cool, but you know, something that piques my interest. So like, okay, I want to, I'm interested in this. I want to know more about it. And obviously when you start kind of going down the rabbit hole of scuba, you take your open water class, you know, your advanced open water, your rescue dive master or whatnot. Um, it's just kind of for me, it was like, okay, well, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I know we've talked about that in the show a lot, and I'm always just like, okay, well, what's the next thing? What what seems interesting to me? And and it was that trip down to Mexico, that first time I went down, and I actually I knew about side mount, but when I saw side mount divers, I'm like, man, that looks cool as shit. I want to be able to do that. Um, and so I like it's to me, it's like, okay, what piques my interest? I it's kind of weird because I don't necessarily have an end goal in mind. Like I know when a lot of people start, they're like, I want to go to you know, the, I, I want to go see this wreck 180 feet down into the water. So what do I need to build up? What skills, what tools do I need in my toolbox to build that? And for me, you know, I've said it a hundred times over, like, oh, I just want that 30 foot reef, you know, and and I'm happy with that. But then, you know, there's obviously things that interest me, just the the whole idea of scuba, the whole you know, encyclopedia of scuba. I want to, you know, figure out like, oh, okay, there's there's this aspect, there's that aspect. What am I going to do or what, what interests me? And so that's kind of the first step I take in looking towards more advanced training and, you know, going through the, the basic classes and everything. I, I feel like kind of the next step is more advanced training just because you know, I'm not going to go take another open water class or anything like that. Or, or I mean, I might, I don't know. I'm actually kind of looking at one right now. I don't think I'll take it, but I was like, ah, oh, it just be kind of interesting to see the take on that, on that <laughs> course, just to, just to see it, you know? Um, but the, yeah, one of the first steps is like, okay, it interests me. And then it's kind of the, the, it's part of the first step of me looking into something is I start heavily researching, you know, like, okay, well, I'm interested in side mount. So I start just going through the ringer of, okay, well, who are the side mount divers out there? Who are the respected side mount divers out there? Um, And then, you know, just kind of anything in life, you kind of gravitate towards what you believe follows your inner philosophy, if that makes sense, to where it's like, okay, um, you know, I you, you know, you might watch a video of somebody and you're just kind of like, I don't I don't know if I'd vibe with that person, you know, like you're just like, I don't know if I'd vibe with that individual or this individual or whoever. Um, and so I just start researching tons of, you know, like who's who's the leader in their field of that area. And there's one thing I've I've said it a hundred times over on this show, uh, but I never necessarily look at like agencies, the last thing I look at, I kind of more look at the individual philosophy of the diver. Um, and, you know, because there's a lot of different agencies. I mean, let's face it, there's probably 100 different plus agencies out there. And there's a lot, you know, they all have something good to offer. There, There's, you know, there's there's some bad, there's some good, that's just the the world we live in, right. So I start looking into, you know, who, who would I want to take a course from who, you know, who kind of, who kind of appeals to me in that sense. And so that's kind of my first step in the whole, what's the next class that I want to take is interest is the first thing. And then it's just like heavily followed by research of, you know, cause there's, there's a lot, I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of instructors out there. There's a lot of people that do different types of configurations of things that you want to do. Maybe you want to wreck dive, maybe you want to be in caves maybe you just want to stay in that 30 foot reef, you know? Um, and it's like, okay, well, who's a leader in that field? Um, let's, let's, you know, and, and then, you know, on and on going on, it's like, okay, well then the next step is kind of like the interview, but we'll, we'll come back to that. But um, so after that's, that's kind of my first initial step into prep or not prep, but, you know, looking into a class is interest, and then research is usually like my general first steps going into a class.
1: So once you've made your decision, so you said, okay, I'm, I'm going to add this tool or I'm, I'm interested in this and I've done my my Nick search, <laughs> all my Nick research. And Is that like Google? Uh, yeah, it's basically just you browsing Instagram for hours, right? <laughs> it's no, like Google.
2: That. Google for you uh, hot tub yeah. time machine pants. So...
1: Uh, you know, you made the decision that's the course and that's the the instructor I want to go with. Now you're kind of entering into the next phase, which is logistics. So now you got to figure out where, when, how, what, all those things. So how do you approach the logistical side of it? Because, and I'll, and I'll put it out there right now, when you start into this sort of advanced training it's a lot less, hey, show up at the shop at eight o'clock on Saturday and you'll be out of here with a card on Sunday at five. You know, like it, you're you're done with that type of training. And there are some shops that that um are in locations that can then facilitate that type of training. But in a lot of ways, a lot of the more advanced instructors are going to be more like journeymen in some ways. They might not have a local shop that they're working out of. Um, or you might, you know, need to travel from your local shop to somewhere else in order to get the environment that you need for that training. Or, you know, you're, you're kind of left behind the, Hey, on this date, we're offering this class show up and here we go. It's, it's a lot more, I don't want to use the word bespoke because that's not the right word. There's another word that just is escaping me right now where, you are much more involved in the logistical planning of the course than you ever have been before in your scuba journey. So for you, when you enter that logistical phase, what are the things that you're thinking about? What are you approaching when when you made the decision who to dive with and the instructor that you want to learn from, how do you approach logistics?
2: So I guess for me, the you know, one of the initially, once I figure out the, the who and the what, or the what and the who I should say, um, is obviously, you know, the next step for me would be reaching out. And um, depending on the individual that you're trying to to learn from, they might have a very busy schedule. So to me, you know, I, I kind of reach out. Well, first, I'll reach out and just kind of, you know, like a little Q&A just hey, this is that. I, I'd love to take a course from you, get some responses, start chatting. And then once that kind of initial meet and greet is over, I'm like, you know, uh, I was thinking maybe about these dates. And usually I'll give like a pretty big time frame because with most of the classes that I want to take these days, it's not just like you said, show up on Friday, Saturday, and you, you walk out on Sunday. It's more, okay, this is probably going to be a three, four, five to seven day process. You just don't really know. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is this is my idea. I have like, this is the times that I was thinking of showing up. Does that work for you? And once that's kind of negotiated, like, hey, um, this time might not work. That time might work. So okay, once I figure out a block of days that I can take off, then obviously, you know, for most people, the next step is like, okay, well now I need to go uh, take those days off of work so I can head down there and, or over there or wherever. And so that's kind of my next step in the logistical phase is like, okay, let's, let's get some dates set in. And I always leave it very open-ended too, because especially in these type of classes, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go down there for 10 days. You know, the, the course is supposed to take, uh let's say they're like hey you know it's a 3 to 4 day minimum um i always leave extra days on the back end just because you know it's things happen you never really know you're traveling maybe you show up and your gear's not there or maybe you're just not feeling up to it that first day um and and even then like um like this this i'm taking a course in november um i'm flying all day and i arrive late and the last thing i want to do is I get to the hotel at 10 o'clock at night after flying all day and then show up to a class at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's just not for me, right? So I even think in, when we went down to Mexico, it was the same exact way. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there a day or two before. I'm just going to get you know my mental state right and then prepared to go into the class. And so I, I usually leave a couple days in the beginning and a couple days after the class of we'll see what happens. So that's kind of the logistical one of the logistical things that I look into is like, okay, if it's a three or four day course, maybe I'll go down there for ten days, just hang out for a couple of days beforehand, uh, leave some days on the back end, just you know to tidy things up. Or if things don't get achieved in that four three to four day window, I have a couple extra days to do stuff, and then obviously what you know most. Most everybody should be, you know, leaving that last day where there's no diving so that you can decompress and, and all that stuff. There's no issues for you to fly out because most of the time, if you're flying into these destinations, you're going to have to fly out, obviously. Um, and usually the last day is kind of left for relaxation, all that stuff. Um, and so that's kind of the first part in the logistical process for me is like, okay, let's get the days figured out. Let's add some days, make sure everybody's <laughs> aligned with that. Um, and then, you know, and, and this is traveling to a shop, I think on your end, it's going to be a little bit different because, uh, well, actually, I mean, how is your end going to be? Cause I know it's not an actual, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming obviously you're working with a shop, but it's not, if he's traveling from Denmark, then, then he doesn't, I'm assuming he doesn't have a shop. And if he does, then that's pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. So how, how is your logistical process going?
1: Yeah, I think it depends, like you said, on who you're taking the course with and, and what environment you need. And so, you know, in this case, particularly, you know, our instructor's coming across. He's not, you know, affiliated with a local shop anywhere. And we happen to be in Florida because of DEMA. And so it will work out, you know, to do it there. So, yeah, so there's a lot of logistical. You know, where do you go? You know, do you go, you know, on the far east coast of Florida? Do you go to cave country? Do you go down to the Keys? And then what do we need? Right. So, that's really the logistical question that you start with is well, what do we need in order to accomplish this level of training? And in this case, we need helium, right. So, we need TriMix and we need O2. So, we can make decompression gases or have decompression gases so that limits the number of shops that really you can work with and then what do you need on top of that well we need this these sorts of things these parameters for the diving so we need a a shallow spot to do some work on and we're going to need a max depth spot to do the experience dives on and so again you know that that might guide where you end up. And so the combination of needs, both from a dive profile perspective, and then also from a a support perspective, meaning, you know, the access to the right gas that you might need, or, you know, the charter that you might need to get to that dive site, so on and so forth, are really the logistical questions when it comes to the course. Once you narrow that stuff down, so for example, for our course, we decided we were going to go down to the the Florida Keys. We're going to work out of a shop there called Horizon Divers, which I'm excited to to get to to know them better as well because they can offer, um, you know, the things that we need from a support perspective. Um, And then we have some plans in terms of where we can do some of our training dives, where we can do more of our experience dives. And then where we're going to kind of culminate the whole thing, put it all together, um, you know, is out on one of the, the wrecks, whether it be, you know, the Spiegel Grove, which I, I'd be stoked to go back to, although I don't know if it has enough depth to it. Um, I actually didn't research that one, but the Spiegel or, or the Duane, or I think the Eagles out there as well, there's, there's different wrecks that we can go dive on for those experienced dives. So we ended up there. And then you've got, you know, the personal questions from there, which is, okay, what gear do I actually need? And so that might play into your logistics as well. Am I flying there or am I driving? So from here to the Florida Keys to drive is 20 hours, right, of road time. It's just 20 hours on the road, right? Well, you'd say, yeah, let's fly. But then you've got to ask the question, well, I need back-mounted doubles. I need uh, a uh, 50% deco cylinder and I need a 100% O2 deco cylinder. I need – you know, this, that, the other thing, my lights, this backup, the, you know, the amount of gear, my Argon bottle, you know, which doesn't take up much space. That's a nice little tuck away bottle. It's nice, but you need all these other things. And so can you actually rent that gear in that location in the way that you want it? Right. (laughs) And that, and that the answer to that might be no. Um, or it might be if you piece it together from this person and that person, or, you know, if I borrow it from a friend who I know who lives in Florida, then maybe I could get this and that. So again, you're kind of trying to piece together your personal needs as a student in the course and where you're going to get those things, which then drives some of the other logistical considerations around, do I drive? Do I fly? What do I pack? You know, what, what um, special circumstances do I need to take into account? And then what is the time frame? How long am I going to be gone? And how do I plan kind of like what you're saying for, The unexpected for, you know, a big storm to go through or for swells to, you know, pop up in the keys, which they will, and all that stuff, or, you know, needing an extra day to finish up X, Y, or Z. And so that's really the logistical, there's a lot of considerations to be made, both from the the dive profile training perspective and from the personal diver perspective and the gear that you're going to need in order to actually achieve the goal in some ways, which is the training to add that tool to your toolbox. So um, for me, you know, for for this trip, uh, I'm gonna bite the bullet, I'm gonna drive. And it's gonna be a long drive, I'm driving by myself for 20 hours. Um, But at the same time, that gives me the best opportunity to bring all of my own gear in the configuration that I want it to be in. It allows me to bring gear for Ben right? To supply him with gear. So we don't have to worry about rental gear while we're there necessarily. Uh, And it allows me a chance to then be very flexible towards the end where I don't have a hard flight time or a hard day that I have to get out or I have to pay a flight change fee or something like that. Because I know that the end of the course always is going to be a dot, dot, dot. So now I can just, oh, we're done a day early. Well, Hey, anyone want to go diving tomorrow? Or I could jump back in the truck and start driving and, you know, sightsee along the way or whatever it might be. Right. So the logistics, I think, are really driven by the needs of the diver and the needs of the, the dive profiles for the training. And then there's just decision points. I originally had booked a flight because I thought I'd just fly and I'll try to rent tanks and all this stuff. And then I decided, you know what? No, I'm going to cancel that flight and drive because it just makes. A lot of different things easier, even though it's harder to get there. It's going to take forever. I'm going to be listening to the, you know, our, our what do they call it, the library of our shows, just from the show one all the way up. And then I'll have like, be calling you like with notes. <laughs> here's where we improve it. Here's where we still stink. No, I don't know. But that's my logistical approach to it. And, and, um, and in a lot of ways, you know, you're giving control, quote unquote, in terms of, well, I want to do this in Texas. I don't want to travel. Well, <laughs> good luck, you know, like uh, you know, or whatever it might be. You're you're kind of needing to be flexible around the logistical side of things so that you can achieve the goal of of adding that tool to your toolbox.
2: Yeah, and and I think that's a the another huge thing too for me was when I seek out these areas um, especially kind of in the area that I'm in now. Um, even when I was in Texas, I was like, okay, I want to do side mount. Where are people doing side mount? Obviously Mexico and Florida, um, Florida, I was able to drive, but I was kind of, I had more like the appeal was more for Mexico. Um, cause that's kind of where I was introduced to all this stuff. And so that, that was another thing that in my research, I was like, okay, well, this is a shop that facilitates that. So hopefully, and they did have the gear that I need to be able to conduct the training that I need. Because um, yeah, it is it is like that to, to be able to drive is so huge because then you can bring anything and everything and things that you don't need, right? As opposed to when you hop on a flight, it's like, okay, well, I'm limited to 50 pounds or 24 kilos or whatever it is. Um and it's like i'm limited to this what are the absolute things and i know when i was flying down to mexico it was just kind of like a you know trial and error of packing my bag checking the weight okay nope that's not going to work <laughs> you know okay what can i carry on what can i throw in my luggage shit do i need to bring two bags and and check them in you know like and 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 that is you know that is a, a, something that you need to think about because You know, you don't want to show up and not have the dry suit because you couldn't fit it in the bag or show up and, and, you know, not have this one piece of item that now you have to buy because you just paid a lot of money for this course, you know? So it's like you really have to prep to in order to do that. Like, okay, let's write the list down. What are all the things that I need? Um, and, and I guess that kind of goes into my next step after I figure out the who and the what and then the logistics is there is a lot of question asking. And sometimes I feel bad, but I don't um, because I'm just asking like, hey, uh, I know I need these things. Is there any other thing that you recommend? Hey, what are your procedures um, what are, you know, cause every instructor has, you know, little, there, a lot of them will be very similar in certain standards, but they might have little tweaks that make them their own thing. Right. So, um, I'm like, okay, well, what's, you know, what's the procedure? What's your procedure? What do I need to practice before I go? Um, I know when I went down to Mexico, I got this whole list of like, okay, this is how we do things, right? This, these are the list of how our shop does things. And I'm like, okay, I need to get into the water and I need to practice those skills a little bit so that way I don't show up. Last thing you want to do is show up to one of these classes and then just be not blindsided. That's not the right word, but just practicing these skills for the first time. I mean, let's face it, the the higher in education that you go in scuba diving usually comes at a cost. So you want to be able to go in as fully prepared as possible. So just being able to practice, even if it's just getting in a pool or if it's getting into the lake and just going and running through these skills one or two times, or if you can running over them a lot. That way, when you show up, you're more prepared and the class goes easier. Um, you know, and and just things like that. Like, so that's, that's kind of my next step in after logistic is there's a lot of question asking. And, and you know, because... Some people have their own syllabuses, some people don't. Um they might just go off of the standard agency syllabuses. It's just it just really depends. Um, but I, I feel that the the people that I've kind of gravitated towards kind of have their own method of doing things, and maybe that's kind of how I am, because I feel I, I feel like, oh, okay, you know, there's the standard way of doing it, but then there's how they've adapted to their environment, which might be little bit different from the standards but you know you might need to adapt to that environment as well you know so it's kind of like if you go to mexico you're doing aluminum 80s inside mount um, or if you go to florida you're probably doing steels because that's just the environment that they're diving in so they need some different you know planning different gear configurations so um that's kind of my next step i guess sorry to jump the gun there but I was just like, okay, what's the next step? And and to me, it's a lot of question asking and and the actual prep for the class. Like, what can I do to prep myself to to lead to the best outcome? Because let's face it, you know, we're we're going down there. We have a set time frame. Um, ideally, we'd be able to go down there for a month and work out every single kink until it's done. But that's not the case in most times. We have limited time that we can be down there. So it's like, okay, well. What can I do to put myself ahead in this class? And that's another thing, too, is like even before all this, it's like I end up doing a lot of reading. And then after the reading is, um, you know, educate or educating myself, I should say. And then after that, it's like, okay, well, what can I do to prep myself so that way I don't show up and I'm blindsided by this skill that I have no clue how to do? And then now I'm working on that skill for three hours because I didn't know how to do it or this or that. So it's it's uh, being able to get that, that water time is huge, huge, huge. And most of the time, um, from my experience, depending on the instructor, most of the instructors that I've reached out to and taken classes from, they're very open about, you know, communicating and, hey, these are the things that we're going to do. These are the things that are standard. These are the things that we're going to practice. So you're not... Comp- You're not going in blind, essentially. So um, ask a lot of questions and don't be afraid to. You know, that's that's what your mentor or your coach or your instructor is there for is to help guide you through these situations. Um, So that way, when you show up, you're a little bit ahead of the game. And and so that's kind of my next step is a lot of question asking and practicing of whatever course that I'm trying to dive into. Yep. I just said it. Dive into Oh, man. Yeah. Well,
1: there, oh, man, there's a lot packed into that. Maybe, maybe we can, or maybe I'll try to extract these into, into categories that at least that'll help my brain. So I like the, I like the addition. I wouldn't have put that in there where there's this addition of like the question period. Right? <laughs> the question period has arrived and the question period has ended, right? This is, uh, I like that. Like ask questions and, and really, uh, be open to, you know, asking dumb questions. Don't feel dumb. You're the student, Like right? This is what you should be doing. So I, I think that maybe there's categories here. And for me, one of the categories that you talked about is the gear prep. So for me, that's usually the thing that I focus on next. Once you decide, you know, the where, the who, the what, the how, the logistics are all sorted well, okay, what do I need? Because I want to give myself enough lead time if I've got to order something. Because unfortunately, a lot of things at, at this level of diving, in, in some ways, you can't just run to the local scuba shop anymore, right? It's it's You got to order it. Um, you got to special order it, <laughs> you know, and, and pay the expedited shipping or whatever it might be. So, I'm always kind of taking inventory of, okay, what am, what am I going to need? What are the requirements which can come out of that question period that you're talking about? And then what don't I have? What do I need to add to the system or the kit that I have? Or what do I need to modify? So on and so forth. And try to get a really clear list of things that I need to order or find or buy or or figure out how to reconfigure. Uh, because then it gives you enough lead time to get those things in the mail And work on those things rather than them showing up the day before you're actually getting on the plane or jumping in the truck. And now, you know, you've never even taken it out of the box before you're going to try to use it in this very intensive course. So gear becomes something I think that's important in terms of filling the gaps and configuring things. So I spent a lot of time in the shop at that point, reconfiguring or those sorts of things. But I will say that there's some line in the sand where, you know, at some point you don't want to start changing too many things, right? To to where now, you know, you've reconfigured your regulator routing, which I mean, I guess would never happen for me. But let's just say that's what you decided to do. And now you've got to get used to the SPG coming from the other side or what? I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of throwing some stupid thing out there. Well, you have to be careful because now you've task loaded the shift to your own kit to now another task or procedure or something that you're going to be learning in the course. So there's kind of this like to adjust or not adjust a question that you have to ask. And for me, I kind of take the line in the sand of, hey, the things that I've been diving that are working for me, I want to leave alone and and rely on as part of my foundation that I'm comfortable with. And the things that I have to add then might need adjustment, and if something I add forces something that I already have to need adjustment, then I want to do that judiciously and within the scope that I still feel comfortable with it. And so, I do think that that there's a period, kind of of, of gear configuration, and you know, dialing in, making sure that that stuff is. Is ready to go. Like you don't want to sign up for a course that you're going to spend a lot of money on, and then realize, oh my, my regulators need service. You know, I wonder if I can. Get, you can't go down to the dive shop and say, hey, if I wait for an hour, will you service this regulator for me? <laughs> like, or at least I haven't had that experience. Maybe you live in a place where you're lucky enough that could happen, but uh, that's a that's a pipe dream. So you've got to give yourself time uh in order to have your gear squared away, ready to go. Um, day one on the course. Uh, So gear is a category in my mind that comes after that questioning period that I think is really important. And I think you have to, you have to toe that fine line between, you know, doing too much and, you know, changing the foundation that you've been relying on for the last hundred dives, because now you're going to take this course versus adjusting things that need to be adjusted or fixed or, or moved, or whatever it might be, prior to trying to then task. I, I think the gear question in terms of adjustment is always, you know, am I comfortable in my foundation? Because if I'm very comfortable in the foundation of my gear, then when I add something to it, or I add a task, or a procedure, or something like that to it, then I'm not thinking about how do I reach my SPG, right? I That's a routine thing i know where it is i know where it's configured um, i know the nuance of that particular gate on that bolt snap right and i'm comfortable with that I'm not i'm not spending much of my mind or energy on doing that task so i'm checking my spg while i'm pulling the trigger of the scooter well, now I can focus mostly on pulling the trigger of the scooter, right, rather than the SPG, because that's a comfortable foundation piece for me. So again, that's where your your gear config and adjustments, I think, become a part of the process of preparation for advanced courses. And again, I think it's a it can be a back and forth, like you said, Nick, where you can go, well, hey, this is what I have. Hey, this is what I did to it. Well, do you do you see any problems with this? Should I change it? Should I? You'll do this, do that, whatever it might be. And so you can go back and forth. That question gear shakeout time is, is kind of all mixed up into one uh, nice little stew of of prep. But gear, certainly you want to make sure you're scored right. That, you know, whatever, uh, you know, a dangly uh, cave line on the hose that you've been meaning to trim and, and burn for a little bit. You should have that dialed in, right? It should be ready to go. Um, Or whatever it might be, you know, um, from a gear perspective. And then I think there's other categories that you mentioned. One is kind of the shakeout dives, I'd call it. Like I call it the shakeout dives, which are getting in the water and getting some of the foundational stuff dialed back in. And then I think the other category you mentioned was around like the mental perspective Maybe we can add in there the academic perspective because likely you're going to be doing some academics. But then there's some pieces to that as well um, that that I add into my prep. I, I would call those like shakeout dives, mental prep, and academic prep are part of my, my next steps once I leave the gear behind.
2: No, and I, 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 I agree with you in a lot of that aspect of like the foundational – your your foundations and what works for you. I think the the reason why it was a little bit different for me in the case of when I went down there is because I was going from just back mount, you know, single to now I'm doing side mount. So it was a configuration that I really wasn't super comfortable with. I didn't have a whole lot of experience, and you know, I took a I took a course uh, from a local instructor at the time in side mount just to to get. Situated and be like, okay, let me get in the water and try this side mount because last thing I wanted to do was show up to Mexico and that was the first time I was in a side mount configuration. So I felt like I didn't have a foundation yet, and I was re- I had a little bit of a foundation going into it, but I was a little bit reluctant on sticking to certain things because the last thing you want to do in in most cases is learn bad habits, right? And the the crazy thing about side mount is there's tons of different ways i mean the the the, the basics are the same but if you look at 15 different side mount divers i feel like you're going to see 15 slightly different configurations like well why do you do that why do you lollipop the the spgs forward why do you tuck them down why do you go transmitters and not spgs um you know and so it's kind of like okay well there's a lot of information out there so what am i going to do so let me just learn some basic stuff, and then go to it, and then and go to this course and learn how they're doing it because that's how how you know somebody that I'm I'm looking into to take a course. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do everything how you do. Teach me how you do it, and this is how I'm gonna learn. Um, so that that was like the little bit of a different aspect for me because when I when I was. Wanting to take the side mount course, I was like, oh, okay, I want to do this. So I have very basic knowledge of this. I want to go here to build my foundation. I want to go to this shop to build this foundation of how I want to be as this side mount diver. And, you know, unfortunately, the world we live in, you know, you go on Facebook or Instagram or, you know, Google, there's going to be 15 different divers telling you 15 different ways to do things. So that's why that research part comes into hand, where it's like, okay, I wanna, I wanna learn how to do it your way because I like what you're teaching, you know. Uh, And then, excuse me. After the shakeout dives, um, that's another huge thing. Is after I kind of do my shakeout dives and kind of learn, you know, the the next step for me is okay. Now I've got my shakeout dives. damn about to fly out. Um, you know, let's get out there. Let's, let's prep, you know, we're, we're the day of the class day before the class. Um, that next step for me is like the complete mental preparation of keeping an open mindset, you know, like, okay, well, this is what I was taught. Let me keep an open mindset to where if you're going to teach me something different, I need to be able to bring that in. I need to be able to let it resonate And you're teaching it for a reason. Like you were saying earlier, this is a person that's doing this every day. So there's a reason why they're doing it that way. Um, And so that's another, you know, kind of the next step as I'm like in the course, taking the course is like, okay, let me keep that open mind to soak in whatever I can. I'm here. I paid. We're in it. Let me keep an open mind on, okay, like, this is what worked for me. You're telling me something different, and I remember that going through the course, my side mount course. I was like, you know, you're, you're telling me to do this, but I feel like this is more comfortable. And and they're like, well, no, you know, they're they're giving their reasons why not to do it. Shout out to Aria, you put up with a lot with me, so shout out to you out there. Uh, and um, I, you know, I was just like, okay, like, well. Like teach me how you're gonna teach me because you're here every day you're doing this you know what works, Um, but keep going into that course having that open mindset of even you know we we've said it a hundred times over on this on this podcast and um, you even just said it like a couple of minutes ten minutes ago or whatever Um, you're never guaranteed the the end of the course while you're there right so you you show up you put your best effort in if the cards are aligned and the prep happened and everything was good. Yeah. You might walk away with that certification card or you might walk away with a list of things that you need to practice to, to, to get ahead so that the next time you come back that you're able to complete the course. So that's one thing that I definitely want to, you know, not push, but, uh, Highlight is you're going into this course with no guarantee of completing the course in the set amount of time that you scheduled for yourself. So, you know, you might, it might take a month before, you know, not even a month, but uh, uh, h- however many additional days. But, you know, you, like you said, you're able to drive out there. So it opens up the, the, uh, the ability to leave at a little bit of a later date sometimes it's not always the case. Sometimes you have a hard fly out date to where it's like, hey, I have to fly out this day, I have to be back to the states. So that's why even in this course that I'm taking in November, when I approached it, I was like, hey, these are the days that I'm available. These are the days that I can, you know, train with you. Let's see how far we can get. And then at the end of that training session, if I make it, awesome. If not, I have stuff to work on, you know? So just keeping that open mindset and not going in there is kind of or not going in there and and just saying like, "Oh, I'm showing up on Monday, I'm going to have my cert by Friday." It's like, "No, you show up on Monday, things might happen and you might leave with a list of stuff to do or you might leave because the weather didn't take and you couldn't do your dives, right? So just having that open mindset is huge going for me into that course because it's, you don't know the outcome. There's a lot of factors that have to come into you achieving it. And hopefully you've practiced or you've done all the things that you can, but sometimes mother nature takes this course and just throws you for a loop. Sometimes you show up and now you're congested and you can't dive, you know? And, and so that's a huge thing that I tell people is, you know, especially in these more advanced courses, just go into it with an open mindset of, Things might not happen how you want it to, but just be open to whatever happens because, you know, you might hit that fourth day and you just didn't get that one skill down that you need to practice. And, you know, you just need to go back and work on it. And it's, it's never a personal thing. And that's one thing that I got to tell people is like, it's never a personal thing. They're not out to get you like, Oh, I, I don't want this person to pass. It's just more of the cards just weren't aligned. You know, we always talk about the stars aligning, 98% of the times the stars don't align. You know, you can prep and do everything you can for it. But at the same time, sometimes things just happen. So keep that open mindset. And that's a huge thing for me going into more advanced courses is like, hey, we're going to get as far as we can and see what happens. If I make it awesome, if I don't, I have things to work on. This is a continuing thing that we're going on for, you know, for me the rest of my life as far as long as I can dive, I'm going to keep going and going so even if I don't get finished in that course, you know I have something to to look forward to when I come back.
1: Yeah, you don't know, you don't want to add a half blunt tool to your toolbox. You want to yeah. add the sharp tool, <laughs> exactly right? As uh, a good, good the right tool for the for the job. That's a that's your saying there all the time. Yeah, well, and I think that mental preparedness, openness—that's a area. Of, if I'm honest, I, I struggle with sometimes because I I want to push right. I want to. I want to achieve the thing that I set out with. And this is one of the areas that I've had to work on in the dance training is certainly being open, more open to the the things I can't control and accepting them as things that are okay. Right. <laughs> I kind of want to just go and, and get it done. And you know, we planned for four days, I'm going to nail it in four days, right? We plan for this I'm, I'm going to, you know, do it because I know I can, I'm going to, you know, do everything in my power to make it happen. So that's a really good note that you have there around mental preparedness for openness that the things may shift and change outside of your control or even inside your control. You're just not getting that particular skill for whatever reason. It doesn't matter. You will eventually. It's just in that moment, it's not happening for you be open and embrace those things rather than frustrated and and trying to fight them because it'll just make it even worse, right? I've been in that situation where it just makes it worse where you're mad because something changed and then you're mad on top of, you know, a task loaded on top of exhausted in day four of the course and then then it's really, you know, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle to get to the end there. So that's a good point. I, I think I want to go back a little bit to the shakeout dives because I didn't talk about that for me and, and my mental approach as well. But shakeout dives for me, you know, I think our, are, are go back to that gear comfortability uh, question, right? The foundation question. If you add something, for example, you know, prepping out to drive trimix, you then need to add a different inflation gas for your dry suit, right? Cause you don't want to put helium into your dry suit. So, Uh, And if the reason for that's really poor insulator, it's, you know, going to make you cold. So instead you need to add a different gas. So that means, you know, you you no longer can pull the gas that's coming from your back into your dry suit. So we add a little, you know, six cubic foot bottle for argon. Argon is a really good insulating gas. It's very dense. And so, okay, if you're going to add that to the system, then that has some gear, you know, tinkering in the shop to get that, you know, mounted the right way uh, onto your back plate. But then it also is part of now you're changing your dive prep in terms of your pre-dive checks, right? So now we need to go and actually do something about that, right? So we try and do a shakeout dive where we're adding that and we're looking at the, the pre-dive part of it. Then we need actually need to feel what it feels like in the water. What does a little, you know, argon bottle feel like on my, you know, left-hand side? Am I overweighted now on that side? Do I feel it? Do I not? So on and so forth. How sensitive is it? Um, you know, does it work? <laughs> like under the water. So I had to buy a little regulator and a button SPG and a hose. You know, did anything break? So, again, that's kind of the, the... When you add something, I like to just get in the water from a gear perspective on a shakeout dive and just get a feel for what that new piece of whatever might feel like, right? And make sure it's functioning. Uh, And that could be in a pool. It doesn't have to be a a big dive or anything like that. It could just be a pool. And so what you're trying to do is, again, dial in that foundation, dial in that comfortability with where things are located, um, how they work, if it's new uh, what, what it feels like to actually, you know, reach for that piece of gear or whatever it might be. Um, making, you know, you shifted the D ring a little down or a little up, you know, making sure that you're still clipping the long hose off, uh, is comfortable and routine for you. Right. So there's some of that just foundational comfort that you need to have when you add new gear, or even if you don't add anything, just to make sure that you're there. The one caution I have here though, is, what I try to avoid is then trying to perform the skills that I think or I learn the academics are going to be in there. This is a really fine line. I think you'd agree, Nick. Like, you know, because what you don't want to do is learn the build a bad habit because you've been practicing it the wrong way, right? And so training, part of the training that you're paying for is to teach you how to practice it the right way. If you preempt that, you know, by because you read it in the academic portion or, you know, your buddy says, oh, yeah, I'll show you how to do a gas switch. Here's how you do it. You know, and oh yeah, I'm going to practice 20 gas switches before I go to my tech one class. Uh, You're probably not in a good spot because you're probably not doing it correctly. (laughs) Just be honest with you. You haven't had the training in order to practice it 20 times yet. So there is a fine line of like, don't. Don't jump the gun or you know try to get ahead too far ahead of yourself. The course should be designed for you to learn how to do those things. And so you have to be very careful with trying to do a new procedure um, or something you know, deploy something different under the water that you haven't yet learned from the instructor that you're now paying to teach you that. right? So um, don't don't go to the course thinking that it's an evaluation dive on day one that you need to have these things down. Go to the course comfortable in your kit, comfortable with your personal skills that are your foundation, comfortable with anything that might be new that you've added, right? So on and so forth. But then be ready to receive the, the new procedures or techniques or approaches or things that that the instructor is trying to impart upon you um, without jumping the gun. Because it's, I think it's much harder from an instructor, instructor perspective to break break a bad habit than to build a new technique, right? If if you have a bad technique, I don't know how you feel with this, but if, if you have a diver that has a bad technique, for example, a bad habit in their technique and they've been doing it for the last 50 dives and then you as an instructor have to then break that habit for them, that's really tough, right? <laughs> so it's Because of their muscle memory is dialed in. They're comfortable with it, right? All that stuff. Kind of what you were describing with you and Aria down in Mexico. Versus if I come in as more of a blank slate but a good foundation and I need to build a new technique or build a new habit, from an instructor's perspective, I think it's a way easier job um, and way more efficient job to do it that way because you're not breaking something down and rebuilding it. So uh, my only caution to myself is always, hey, be careful with trying to practice stuff you're not trained and yet, just because you saw the video, just because you read the academics, just because your buddy said, yeah, hey, I know how to do it. I'll show it to you. Doesn't necessarily mean that you're ready to be practicing that. And the more you practice it in the wrong way, the more it can become and will become a bad habit. So the shakeout dives for me are all about getting comfortable in, in that foundation, making sure, you know, the foundational skills of propulsion and balance and trim and, and breathing are all solid and and then I'm comfortable in any new kit that might be there or anything like that. Beyond that, I try not to not to jump the gun and go too far ahead of myself before I've actually learned from the
2: instructor or or had the experience in the course itself. So I think I look at that the 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 last quote that you said there on the as the instructor trying to break a bad habit um, i feel that that would be more on the student as opposed to the instructor like the instructor is there to guide you in the right way and that might be the skill that holds you back because you need to break your own habits so that's more of a student thing i i would say because you know the instructor is there to teach you how to do it the right way and you're there to To you know, master that skill. How it's being taught. So I think that's more of a challenge for the student in breaking that habit. Um, and 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 one little caveat to that that I want to add is um, in any course. You know, if you're listening to this and you're not even a diver, you just came across the podcast because me and Jay look like the coolest guys on the planet, and you're like, hey, I want to hear what they have to say. <laughs> I want to watch this train wreck. That's what they're really saying. That's one thing that I, I always, always try to push as an instructor is, hey, we're here to guide you. We're opening the door. We're letting you into the building. But it's your responsibility to get better at this skill. So I taught you how to do it the right way. Go and practice that skill the correct way, right? So the the moral of my story is in in any aspect of training that you take definitely just always look at it as they're they're teaching you and prepping you to learn the right way and it's your responsibility at that point especially in these advanced classes to go out and practice that configuration practice that skill and master that skill that's just one piece of advice that I always like to give. I think that's good and and
1: you always have to just be careful with balancing out practice, task loading, learning new things, so on and so forth. So I think that's a really good point. Well, good. I think this has been a good episode. I mean, I'm really looking forward to the course. And that's kind of the, the long and short of prep. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more that we could have gone into when it you know, the academic portions or mental portions, those things. But I think a lot of the the key here is to get ahead of the game uh, and make sure that you're prepared from a gear perspective, a, you know, logistical perspective, so on and so forth. And then I think the other key point here was, and then be open. Once you're there, that things might change, like be prepared for things to change, be prepared for things to... To not go the way that you thought they would, based on weather, or you know, you're just not getting that skill. Or I uh, was a really good point Nick brought up about getting sick. <laughs> you know, like I try to avoid, uh, you know, getting sick at all. Prior, of course, i will always avoiding getting sick, but I'm especially aware because I've got three kids who go to school. Like one of them comes home with a runny nose. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving in a couple of days. Like you and I are not. You know, sharing anything to drink, or <laughs> you, know, um, you know, can you please stay? Give me a five foot distance. What was the COVID? Six feet away. Six feet away, or whatever. Now, uh, of course, you can't do that with kids a hundred percent of the time. But try not to get sick. Well, good. I think this wraps up this episode, um, and we uh, will we'll be back with more I'll, I'll re- to report how the course actually went and whether the the preparation that we talked about here was successful or not. So if you enjoy the show, we invite you to subscribe uh, to the show so you get notified when new episodes drop. You can also connect with Nick and I. We'd love to hear about your prep. How do you prep for those more advanced uh, classes or courses or skills that you're trying to add to your your toolbox as a diver? Uh, What are some of the logistical considerations you make or gear considerations or how do you conduct shakeout dives prior to a course uh, to, you know, to to build on your foundation, but not cross that line where you start building bad habits. So send us a message. Um, you can reach us at www.thedivetable.com. And of course, you could send us an email. You can actually record us a, a voicemail. We love getting those voicemails. They're pretty awesome. So reach out. And then last but not least, uh, if you or someone you know needs more diving in their life, uh, feel free to share the show with them. It's always a nice kindness uh, that we get. And we've heard so many great stories of people saying, hey, I introduced so-and-so to your show and they loved it. And now we get to talk about it, so on and so forth. So send them a message, let them know uh, that we exist and, and join be a part of this this growing community here at The Dive Table. As always, we hope to have you back on the next episode of The Dive Table.
0: The Dive Table is a production of Fish Dive Surf Incorporated and a member of the Fish Dive Surf Podcast Network. You can find out more at www.fishdivesurf.com.